Are you looking to reach your full potential and achieve success in business and in life? Want only tried and tested guidance from people who have truly made an impact? You have come to the right place. Welcome to Five Questions with Dan Shabell. New York Times bestselling author Dan Shabell distills the most actionable and tangible advice from a variety of world-class humans, including entrepreneurs, authors, Olympians, politicians, billionaires, Nobel Prize winners, TED speakers, celebrities, astronauts, and more. Inspirational guidance, practical advice, and concrete solutions. Our Power Chat starts now. Welcome to the 86th episode of the 5 Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bell, and my goal is to create the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is the CEO of Quibi, Meg Whitman. Born in Cold Spring Harbor, New York, Meg graduated high school in three years in the top 10 of her class. She originally wanted to be a doctor, but ended up studying math and science at Princeton University, but later changed paths after spending a summer selling magazine advertisements. Meg went on to obtain her MBA from Harvard Business School and started her professional career at Procter & Gamble. From there, she worked as a consultant at Bain & Company, eventually becoming a senior vice president. Before leaving to become an executive at Disney, Strideright, and Hasbro. From 1998 to 2008, Meg was the CEO of eBay, growing the company from 30 employees and 4 million in revenue to more than 15,000 employees and 8 million in revenue. Then in 2009, she ran for governor of California, later dropping out in 2010. A year later, Meg went back into the corporate world as the CEO of HP before stepping down in 2017. Then in 2018, she became the CEO of Quibi, a short original mobile only platform. I wanted to speak to Meg for years because her breadth of experience both in politics and different companies has fascinated me. You've been the CEO of two Fortune 500 companies and are now the CEO of a startup. What do you find are the differences, similarities, obstacles, and challenges between being a CEO at a large versus small company? And what did you learn in your prior positions that prepare you for this role? I'd say I am a big student of situational leadership. In other words, what is the situation in which you find yourself and then what does that require? So let me state the obvious. Obviously, Hewlett Packard was a $122 billion company with 325,000 employees, seven major lines of business in 120 countries selling through 250,000 bars when I joined. And of course, eBay had 30 people and $4 million of revenue. And Quibi was a startup. I was employee number one. And so they're quite different challenges, as you can imagine. In the small companies, you can manage by walking around. You know everything that's happening all the time. Uh, even today in COVID, I pretty much know what's happening at Quibi. And that was almost impossible at a place like Hewlett Packard. They're quite different in terms of the situation. There are some commonalities. One is communication. How do we communicate the vision and the strategy of what we are trying to accomplish? And that was as relevant at Hewlett Packard as it is at Quibi and was at eBay. The second thing is the people that you hire. You are only as good as your team. And so I've been very thoughtful and judicious about hiring the right people in the right job at the right time with the right attitude. And that is universal, whether there's four employees, 40, 400, 400,000, or however many. The third thing I'd say is there's always financial architecture. How do you make money in business? And how do you invest in the right product lines? How do you segment your customer base so that you find the true customer for your offering? So that's probably the third thing that's similar 
whether it's a, a little company or a big company. You're a big believer in the importance of risk-taking. And while you've received a lot of support for Quibi, most startups don't succeed. How did you decide what risks are worth taking? So that's a hard one, right? You know, and I am a proponent of, of risk-taking. I always say the price of inaction is far greater than the cost of making a mistake. And so I, I, I do have a bias towards action. And I always just look quite carefully at what the risks are. And I learned something very early on in my career at Bain and Company, which is there are three really important constituents. First is customers. Second is your competitors. And third is what's your cost structure to deliver that service. Whenever I'm looking at a risk, I say, you know, who are the customers? What are the trends? Is there an open white space in the offering to meet that particular customer's needs? Who's going up against as a competitor? And is there a way to win? And then thirdly, what's the cost structure and what's the capital structure of the company? And then I look at opportunities across those dimensions and say, okay, I think this is a risk worth taking. And what did you learn from your experience of running for governor of California that helped you become a better business leader? And what did you learn from your business career that made you a better politician? Well, let's see. Let's start with the easy question there, which is what did I learn from running for office that helped me in my business career and frankly, be a better CEO? I learned a lot. And I learned a lot about communication. Think about it. When politicians communicate, they don't actually talk about the facts or the figures for the most part. They tell stories. And people remember the stories. They don't really remember the details and, and often even the numbers. So when I got to HP and I had to get a whole huge group of, of employees, 325,000 and, and hundreds of thousands of customers to embrace the new Hewlett mission, I went back to that notion of it's the stories that you tell. That's what people remember. So I've completely learned that from politics. I think the other thing is politics that I learned, politics is hard. Anyone who looks at people who run for office say, well, that looks easy, or gee, well, if I were running, I would say this, or I'd do something different. Until you actually do it, it's very easy to be a commentator on the sidelines. And until your name is on the ballot, I don't think anyone really knows what this is about. So I thought it was extremely challenging. Drew on a lot of skills that career politicians would have had that I didn't have. And at the same time, you know, I'm really glad I did it. I learned a tremendous amount. I got to see California in a way that most people don't get to see California. But it was one of the most challenging and trying experiences I've ever had. And then uh, what can politicians learn from business leaders? You hear politicians say this, and I did. I said it. You know, I'd like to run the government more like a business. Actually, the government is not like a business. <laughs> and while to those of us in the business community, we say, you know, that seems easy. Let's just run this a bit more like a business. It's a very different thing. It's multiple, multiple constituencies, multiple key metrics for success. You know, you've got to hold together a coalition of people. It's very different than being a CEO, where ultimately someone has to make the decision. And sometimes it's me, sometimes it's someone in, you know, in the organization. But when you're a politician, you have to make the decision, but you've got to pull together and hold the, get together a coalition. You know, there's some experience from business, obviously, leadership and things that are helpful in politics, but not as much as I had assumed. <laughs> The workplace has changed so much since you started your career and is currently going through another transformation amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. What should leaders do to effectively manage their workforce during this crisis? And how do you think the workplace will be transformed in the aftermath? So let me start with how I think the workforce will be transformed. I think that 
a lot of things will be permanently different. I think there will be a lot more reliance on video conferencing. There's been a number of companies who say you will have the right or the opportunity to work from home forever if that's what you would like to do. So I do think that how we interact with each other, how we interact as teams may well be different. I think business travel may be different. Listen, we've all learned to do conversations with partners and customers that is, you know, they're anywhere and we can be anywhere. So I think that's something that, that we've all learned. I do think that there is no substitute for human interaction around problem solving and getting up and trying on you know, different solutions. I think the creative process, there is often no substitute for being in person around a creative process. So those two things probably won't change, but how often people come to the office, business travel, how much you can accomplish on a Zoom call, or uh, whether it's a Google Hangouts or Microsoft Teams or whatever it happens to be. As you've seen, those, those tools are going to increase importance and I think you'll see some interesting new tools come about. And what's your best piece of career advice? I think particularly for young people you know, maybe coming out of college or graduate school for their first or second job is find a company that you really admire, that you really like the product and admire and like the people that you're gonna be working with. Because I don't know about you, I spend more time at work than I do with my family and probably have over the last 40 years. So loving the product, loving the company and, and admiring and respecting and enjoying the people that you work for. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Meg. To follow her journey, you can watch Quibi and find her on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn where she shares company updates, political views, and appearances. We hope you enjoyed today's show and the amazing advice our guests provided. Remember that you can only benefit from advice if you act on it. Before you do, we would appreciate your feedback in the form of a review. You can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or a podcatcher of your choice. Your feedback would be very much appreciated. Head over to danshawbell.com slash review now.